All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to another hour of Scotch Hour. I'm Noah. I'm Jesse. I'm Greg. And I'm Casey. All right, so we have actually a couple of guests here tonight for episode 57. This is going to be kind of exciting, it's I believe. It's a party! It is a party, woo! Should have invited 57 people, but... Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and uh, here we go. Is it this one? <laughs> this one. <laughs> I suck at those. <laughs> Anyways, I, I was looking for a cheering one, but there's that's the closest we got. That's pretty applause. good. That's yeah. pretty good. So, anyways, this uh, this episode here, uh, we're gonna have the uh, Blad was Blagnock, 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 Samsara, Samsara. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's the scotch we're gonna review here from the Lowlands. Uh, then we went to. Uh, then we're gonna have our shout outs and get uh, get it together's, and we got to get together on those. <laughs> together <laughs> and then we have the, the restaurant review at rosie's diner and then our topic this evening is uh ted kaczynski the unabomber uh, and this was the uh today is actually the 26th anniversary of his arrest <laughs> close enough right close enough <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got the Black Dog, Sam Sara, Lowland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. And from a presentation standpoint, man, look at this box. It looks cool. Dude, it's, feel that. There's only one it thing. It definitely has a really hand. nice weight to it and a beautiful bottle shape. Yeah, well. man. You know what? Like it, it's like a 10-pound weight. Ooh. <laughs> you wouldn't it expect that. It just feels expensive. Yeah, it I'm does. I'm excited. Has nice weight to it. Like I remember, like looking at it uh, at Dave Co. That's where we picked it up at. Hinge top, square bottle, giant metal cap. <laughs> and you hear the magnet as it shuts. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you don't want to mess this up. It almost seems like it can make for a good decanter too, just because of the weight of the glass and all that. We're gonna find out what Noah does with it after this. We'll we'll know soon enough. Yeah, I'll probably just pickle some, uh, you know, the <laughs> some little embryos in there or something. I don't know. <laughs> some COVID. Make the next evolution and the flu. Maybe I can find like a little an animal's uh, abnormal brain and put it in there. Spiders. Spiders? Ooh. Yeah. I'll catch some black widows and some of those. No, no uh, black widows. Why not? You got a cap? <laughs> don't trust them. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's gonna die if you leave the cap on, though. So that's, that's not true. That's not true. I've kept a uh, black widow alive on my table by my plants for months. The thing didn't die, and I never gave it extra air. Just put it in one of the Tupperwares, let it sit there. One of the Pyrex, the glass ones, and it didn't get out. <laughs> luckily. <laughs> luckily. All right. Note to, note to everyone out here: Jesse's house has a lot of spiders in it. So. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It'll be up. awesome for Halloween time. Right. <laughs> it backs up to open space. They're everywhere. It is true. All right. So anything you want to talk about with this one? Well, we've got some interesting notes here as far as 1817 John and Thomas McClelland. Interestingly enough, McClelland, Lowland, single malt scotch. Theater. Is that the one we tried yeah. when we did the cowboy episode? Yeah. yeah. Right. So uh, we're first granted a license to distill their Bladnoch on their Bladnock farm. So we're talking about 205 years ago. It's a good chunk of time. 1905 changed hands several times, but it continued to produce fine lowland single malt whiskey and scotch. 
1956, the distillery started back up after the war with the Bladnock Distillery Limited. 1966 still house expands to four stills very common in that era from a lot of the distilleries we've taken notes on and 1983 owned by arthur bell and sons part of guinness from 83 to 93 saw increased brand distribution and a visitor center that's the key you point. know i think every distillery probably needs a visitor center i mean would you guys all agree with that oh no it's, it's a good call i mean wineries need them too who doesn't like going to a winery and just drinking? I'm oh. a huge fan of the free samples. Yeah. I think those are the best part. Hell yeah. Totally agree with that. I mean, you're ultimately paying them for the tour though, right? <laughs> <laughs> 1993, um, pri- privately owned by Raymond and Colin Armstrong. 2015, privately owned by David Pryor. So this little distillery has been around the block. Nine, uh, 2017, after two years of renovation under the direction of master distiller, Ian McMillan, uh, 2019 new master distiller, Dr. Nick Savage from the McCallion joins forces with Black. Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, what happens there with uh, the McCallion, uh, the master, um, master uh, distiller there, since I like the McCallions a lot. All right. Well, if you guys want to make any other notes, I'm going to pop this. No, I think you stole all my notes. Those were, man. Yeah. There's a few more in there. So it's won uh, lots of awards uh, for San Francisco oh, yeah. Spears Competition 2018 gold. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, and they also won gold in the uh, Scotch Whiskey Masters in 2018. Oh, and that was uh, in 2017. They got the silver in both of those areas. This is wrapped like a teenage boy's first time. Damn. <laughs> oh, dude, there you go. Dude, that has a lot of weight to it. <laughs> That's what she said. You know, for uh, this guy who's um, uh, what's his name? Um, the 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 new owner, David Pryor. He's uh, from Australia, and um, for two years, this distillery wasn't uh, up and running while they're renovating it, and I think. What they did here with the presentation is really great. I mean, like the the bottle itself is like heavy glass. The topper there was pretty heavy. Australia, eh? Yeah. That's not a knife. This is a knife. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, I guess we'll go ahead and we'll do our uh, warp speed now and everyone can take their notes. All right. right. Cheers. Cheers. Air, air clank. <laughs> air clank. So, uh, the Bladnock, right? Is that, that's Bladnock. 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 Samsara. 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 Reminds me of some anime. Yeah. <laughs> or just old. Samsara. Ninja dubbing in general. All right. I'm about to 
drink your scotch. <laughs> hey, man, those are some, those are great movies back <laughs> they there. They were. They still are. <laughs> Fist of the North Star, Vampire Hunter D. <laughs> You're laughing over there, Greg. I think he's more going Seven Deadly Samurai. Oh. Like right, what's the one with about the finger? The some deadly finger or something like that? I don't know. There's like something like finger of death. Yeah, finger of death. That's what it was. Dimmock. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to Kung Fu. Rich mouth coating. <laughs> all right. So, anyways, um, all right. So something uh, with the color I get here, but you can't really see it in this little glass anymore. Maybe a little bit more in this glass. I got a nice like uh, amber. Light amber gold color to it. Um, I, I once again, I kind of like mine just a hair darker, uh, more like more reminiscent to the uh, editions number six of the Macallan. And the what was the other one that we had the other day that was like uh, a couple weeks ago that was pretty dark? Oh, oh was this was it the cigar malt? Yeah, Dalmore cigar malt reserve. Yeah, those are I love the colors of those ones. Yeah, uh, on the nose. Uh, on my nose here, on my nose, on the nose of the uh, of the scotch. On my nose. Um, <laughs> I kind of got uh, wildflowers that you get like from a meadow. Like if you're like in a nice warm summer day, you're in the middle of a meadow with a stream kind of nearby. So um, you're in my backyard. Yeah, maybe <laughs> possibly. Um, I kind of get that kind of scent uh, of those wildflowers out there. Um, and some of those tall grass. So sometimes, like, if you get in some of those areas, you kind of get, like, that sweet, almost, um, I'm not even sure kind of, like, the wildflower smell to it. I'm, I'm not even sure how to really describe it. but uh, It's and almost then, pungent. Yeah, almost pungent. And then, uh, but it's it's nice, nice smell, right? And then, uh, and some, a little bit of hints of vanilla. Uh, uh, then when I taste it on my palate, um, I do get, like, vanilla fudge. On there, my on the beginning part of there, and a slight bit of honey, and then um, on the finish, I get a, a little bit of vanilla cream coating, and then there's something else I just can't place it, and I re I'm really having a hard time trying to figure out what that is. Um, but that's basically what I have here for my tasting notes. I do think uh, for a low uh, for a lowlands, uh, this is our first real lowland um, scotch that we've had, and I do really like it. I think it's a nice uh, kind of introductory into. A, until Lowlands uh, Scotch and the presentation, I think, is just great. Um, she Casey, dressed up for you, Noah. She dressed up. <laughs> Casey, what do you got for us? Um, yeah, I guess for color, I would say this is just like a really nice, pure golden color. Um, you know, usually you read the reviews and it's like, oh, it's like a light amber yellow gold. No, this is just a nice, pure gold color. Um, in terms of how it smells, it smells really sweet. Um, there's nothing too fancy. I don't think it's really overwhelming. It's just kind of sitting there. But then for the palette, we actually originally poured these in like a standard, like old fashioned glass, but pouring it into one of these, it really helps a ton. So sitting at 46.7 ABV, it does kind of have a bit of a kick to it. But again, pouring it into these glasses, it totally mellows out that alcohol taste. And then in general, like on the palette, I do taste that really nice vanilla. Um, I would say, yeah, like a vanilla cream. And then in terms of that finish, still that kind of creamy vanilla and like Noah, it almost has like a really bit of like a tartness right at the end. So something a little hard to place, but definitely really good. I personally wouldn't pay like $80 for this only because, you know, 
I'm not that fancy, but <laughs> overall, good scotch. Greg? I would say I'm definitely a fan. Uh, the presentation definitely is contributing to the price factor, but I think it definitely adds an appeal to it. I really enjoyed, you know, the difference in the two glasses. I would agree that, you know, kind of the traditional rocks glass comes across a little bit hotter. You get a little bit higher alcohol at that cast strength. Switching to the other glass really kind of tames that down. Um, I noticed a little bit of floral. They keep saying grass and things, and I would say, you know, there's a little bit of that, but I noticed more of a honeyed note. Um I didn't notice a lot of fruit on it, but I do think it's very, very well done, and I enjoy it, and I'm just happy to be on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for being here, both of you. Man, for me, I'll, I'll tell you, this is a nice, deep, rich gold color. I don't see a ton of the red, but I'm okay with that because it's a rich gold color, and I love it. I, I think it's great. I've bounced between the glasses from the old-fashioned or the rocks glass to the whiskey glass back to this one. And I'm actually preferring this glass. And I think some of the reasons for that is after going back and forth, on the palate, on the nose, particularly on the nose in the front, rich vanilla cream is absolutely prevalent. It's there and it's smooth and it actually outweighs that 46.8% ABV. Yeah, it, it overpowers that even, which at first I was like, man, that, this, is, this is hot. This is coming in hot, coming in hot. But um, then it, it transcends and on the palate, it goes from that uh, vanilla cream smell to a rich vanilla. And at first I didn't get it, but afterwards, after I've been sitting for the while, vanilla fudge, I actually do get the vanilla fudge. And... You know, one of the things that the manufacturer said is it is rich um, mouth coating, and they're not wrong. Like, it actually definitely coats your mouth. And one of the things that Greg said, I think, is a key point here. I think for me, that finish, what it really spells out is when you're a kid and you get some of that raw, natural honey. Um, the finish to me is that raw, natural honey that has that almost clove hint to it um, in the palate. And I think that's a great finish. It's a medium finish. And uh, yeah, for a lowland, I'm surprised. I am shocked. I'm pleasantly pleased with this choice. It's time for our shout outs. Yeah, okay, not to be too cheesy, but I want to give my shout out to my boyfriend, Brian, for taking me to Meow Wolf yesterday. Cheesy. It was... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. It was super, super fun, super great, and I just had such a great time, so thank you. I guess I we found... We can actually, we can tie that in in a little bit. It'll be interesting. <laughs> I guess we found our new Brian. Oh, no. I know, I was just going to say, <laughs> she did make Brian the marble cake. <laughs> That only his uh, wife could make. Uh, Greg, do you have a shout out or anything? I'm good. I'm just happy I'm visiting from out of town. So it's awesome to be able to reconnect. I'm seeing people that I haven't seen in, you know, oh, 20 yeah, plus have. years. And Jesse and I, it's been a couple of years. So just enjoyable to actually uh, be able to participate and have a good time and hang out and drink some beautiful scotch. All right. Uh, My shout outs this week, pretty simple, going to Casey and to Greg the Greganator. <laughs> All right, Casey and Greg the Greganator for being on the show, um, spending some time, having dinner with us. Really appreciate you guys, so thank you. You stole one. You stole mine, man. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that wasn't right, intentional. So, no, I know. <laughs> uh, so I'll go with this one here. I'm going to give a shout out to Coach K. 
uh, from Duke. He uh, he retired. He had a great career there at Duke, and uh, even though he didn't, he didn't make it into the uh, NCAA finals, which I'm not even sure does that does that go on tonight or not. He was in the Final Four. Um, yeah, he was in the Final Four. Is the is the championship game tonight? I thought it was tomorrow, but it might be tonight. Tomorrow, tonight, tomorrow, whatever. But he's not in it. Uh, good job to UNC for beating Duke. But anyways, I want to give a shout out to Coach K. All right, uh, any uh, get it togethers? I have one at least. No, kick us off. What's your get it together? All right, I'm gonna give my get it together to Barry Blends down the road here in Parker. Oh no, this does not sound <laughs> good at all, Barry Blends. Uh, so there's there's four different times I've been there to go get an orange carrot juice, and every time I've gone in there, they've always had their either their juicer is broken or their They've taken down their juicer for the night. And I go in there somewhere between about 5.30 and 6 o'clock, and they close, like, at 7 o'clock. So, you know, I think that's a poor way to do business, to shut down, like, a, like a fifth of your uh, menu, um, you know, like 75 minutes before close and stuff like that. So I'm going to tell them and get it together. I'll say I think they're taking the cue from the wrong corporation on success. McDonald's ice cream machine sounds like kind of the same thing. So <laughs> McDonald's is a corporation very successful. I wouldn't take their least attractive aspect and try and make that part of my business. I agree with that McDonald's get it together. That's <laughs> that from that's from Craig. And that legitimately happened when my buddy was in the hospital. I did go to try and visit him, and his one request was a McDonald's milkshake or an ice cream McFlurry. cone. And yeah, <laughs> and the traditional aspect of it doesn't work. It should be like their corporate slogan. <laughs> Jesse, you got one? You know, I'm going to leave the get it togethers alone this week. Oh, sure you don't have one? I'm going I'm to leave the get it togethers alone All right. this week. Last chance, you got to get it together? I don't go outside enough to, you know, have any beef with like the outside. So I really don't have anything. <laughs> Let me, uh, here, I'll throw this out there. Get it together people who say that they live technology free. Had someone this morning when I asked her if she wanted to use an app for a purpose or a telephone number for a purpose, she let me know she doesn't have a phone. She doesn't use a phone. She doesn't use that technology stuff. Hey, that's quite appropriate for tonight's topic. I, I thought guess. it was. And that's why I was like, okay, I'll say it. Like, eh, maybe, it reminds maybe, me of some I'm not sure if that's a get it together or a shout out now. <laughs> oh, it's a get it together. <laughs> <laughs> Restaurant uh, Rosie's, sorry, my bad. Restaurant Rosie's Rosie's Diner in Aurora. Off of Iliff. Off of Iliff. It's not Elif? <laughs> Elif. Uh, actually, according to some GPS services, it is pronounced that way. So, <laughs> choose the right, you know, I always, I always learned it was Iliff, but, you know. As did I. <laughs> uh, growing up here. So I will say the restaurant review kind of came up as a subject between Jesse and I, and we were driving by, and I just mentioned that I'd eaten there once before last year, and I thought it was really good. They had really good chili rellenos. They're kind of non-traditional. The fact that they're crispy, so that's why I was looking forward to going back there. They delivered on the rellenos, the Spanish rice that comes with it's okay. Refried greens are okay. A little bit of lettuce and tomatoes, but the chili rellenos themselves are in an egg roll wrapper. Um pepper jack cheese, a little chili pepper, and then they do talk it with a little bit of a pork green chili. I got extra, which I thought definitely added to the experience, but I don't know if I would go for anything else. All right. Casey, 
Um, so the atmosphere there was super, super amazing. I totally loved it. It was 50s, 60s. <laughs> it was like a 50s diner themed, really similar to Gunther Tootie's, if you guys remember that being around. Um, but I was totally into the environment. I bought the mac and cheese, and I like to consider myself a mac and cheese connoisseur. Oh, nice. So overall. Cheesy. <laughs> eh, I don't know. It was like, okay. Um, my biggest gripe with it was that it felt more like a cheese soup with some noodles <laughs> sprinkled in. So wasn't too fond of that. Um, but overall, it was decent. Like, I would definitely go back, probably wouldn't order that again. But, you know, I liked it. <laughs> Sounds like more of a cheese and mac than a mac and cheese. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> now you tried French fries. What do you think? Ooh, the French fries were good. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm super biased. I really like this, like the really skinny fries that you get at like fast food restaurants. Oh, yeah. They're pretty thick, but they did have some good seasonings. And overall, those were also good. And what I ordered also came with some like garlic toast. And I'm a total sucker for garlic toast. So I definitely enjoyed that. Especially comparing to last week, I had some garlic toast that was just way too salty. But garlic toast, definitely good. Mac and cheese, more like cheese and mac, so. <laughs> Talking about fries, you know who has good fries? The tailgate. Tailgate. God damn it. They have like those <laughs> beer, beer batter fries. Those They're are so good, good, man. Yeah. Uh, for me, I had the Italian skillet. Um I guess the only thing that really made it Italian is the mozzarella cheese and the uh, sausage and the and the and the sausage that they use. Hey. But um, I don't know. I think it needed something. Which uh, thank you, Greg, for asking the waiter to get me some marinara sauce. I think I needed some of that to kind of bring in the Italian into it. <laughs> um, and they definitely brought a very small container for you, so maybe yeah. more marinara sauce. Maybe a little bit more marinara sauce would have been useful for me, especially since I like a lot of marinara sauce. But um, you know, it really wasn't, uh, it was just like any other diner in my, in my experience as far as like when you have like a skillet. So nothing to write home about. You can make a home, you could do some home fries and eggs or whatever and sausage and probably make something better. Um, the uh, French toast that came with it, I actually would have just preferred like a sourdough toast <laughs> with, with butter. Um, I had a little bite of it and um, it was okay. They didn't give me any syrup for it, so... Uh, I wouldn't have eaten. I would not have eaten it anyways if they did give me the syrup. But uh, it probably would have helped the uh, French, uh, the French toast a little bit more if you did have syrup. Um, the atmosphere, I agree with you. Much like uh, Gunther Tootie's, um, if you like that fifties kind of like vibe, do I think you could take a date there? Sure, I'm not sure I'd go there on a first date though. Um, Maybe when I was in high school or something like that. But as a, yeah, as a professional now, I probably would not take a first date there. He's only dating high-class women for no, all these. I'm not dating anybody, really. not that. Don't even reach out. Don't leave a comment. I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, He's I'm not, not available. I'm not dating anybody. So, Unless you're taking fine. him to the Brown Palace. Uh, but I would say that it's an okay, okay place to meet, like, you know, friends and stuff like that. So um, overall, I probably would give it, like, a six. Yeah, for me, I also had the crispy chili relleno, and I thought they were very good. The best I've ever had, no. 
I do believe uh, Real de Minas still has them beat out. The green chili I thought was good. Noah, you and I both make better green chili than that, though. That was my struggle, <laughs> was that it wasn't bad. And, and that's the truth. It wasn't bad green chili, but it's a more of what I urge and call the red chili, which means they use a lot of tomatoes or overcook it, um, which can also just happen from... Or the chili powder. Yeah, or putting in too much chili powder. Um, the flavor wasn't bad um, with the, the green chili. It just wasn't mine. I guess I'm very biased. I love my giant pork ch- chunks. I love my um, giant green chili chunks. I like pieces. I can tell what the heck I'm eating. Um, not something that looks like it might have gone through a blender. But overall, it, it was pretty good. The Spanish rice definitely left me wanting. It was weighed. It was measured. It left me wanting. Move on to the other side. The beans, kind of in that same spectrum, um, could have been out of any grocers canned bean selection there was nothing outstanding about them uh, but the crispy chilerino itself uh, they they were very good the environment i thought it was fun so this is the kind of place though i don't think i go necessarily on a beginning of a first date i think like when i date I like to go like to five, six places in a day. And when I am doing this, there's going to be something else for breakfast, whether it's voodoo donuts or something else. Then there's going to be something for lunch, whether that's Chinese or a calzone or pizza. Um, as I'm winding down and I, yeah, I'm, an, I'm a nightmare because I'm the guy who takes like a 12 hour date for the first date. As I'm winding down though, after I've had tons of libations and I'm drinking scotch and I'm like having fun doing whatever I'm doing, this is where I kind of wrap up is rosy. Diner. That's the kind of place I would wrap up a first date because it's homey, it's comfy, nothing. You don't have high standards going into this place. You really don't. Um, and the service was fair. I think that you're definitely struggling from hiring uh, based on the 12 plus signs throughout their parking lot, along the front windows, and in the building itself. And I think they're just being honest. Like they want help, they need help. Place has been there for a while. Um, I would give it a seven. The Smarter Challenge tonight is Ted Kaczynski on his 26th anniversary of being arrested. He is the Unabomber. And the question here is, uh, is he a patriot or a terrorist? And we're going to look at three main parts here. Um, The first part we're going to take a look at is his uh, uh, younger years. Um. He's a, he was obviously a very smart kid. At age 16, he went to Harvard. Uh, he hooked up with a professor there named uh, Henry Murray. who You're saying was, he was gay. <laughs> I mean, he did have that one phase where he like, thought he wanted to be a woman. So Okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, so Henry Murray is the, uh, he is a professor that, um, that he connected with there at the, uh, not in a sexual way, but. <laughs> I was only asking. <laughs> he said hooked up. <laughs> You know, connect, whatever. Became a mentor. <laughs> Became a mentor, whatever. Um, and uh, he brought him into a, uh, a program that um, was connected to uh, MK Ultra. So. What, CIA, here we come. So I guess I uh, hear the question is like, what do you guys think that, like, how would that, how would he, how would that affect a 16 year old child who goes, First of all, going to college as a freshman that young, and then being put into a uh, into a, like a, an MK Ultra type program where he has to write a an essay and then they like basically uh, tear him down for 
over 200 hours. Don't underestimate he hooked up potentially with that guy for real. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, what would that do to a 16-year-old kid in that time? That'd probably mess him up, too, I would think. Yeah. So anything about his like, younger years that uh, anyone wants to comment on? But I think, first of all, a little more about MKUltra. It's a mind control experiment that was kind of done in conjunction with the CIA. Correct. Um, I don't know if that's where the LSD aspect came in, but one of my understandings was it was all about, like, the ability to actually, you know, try and get people to do things that may, may not otherwise want to do and how you can actually make that more of a mass. Event. Yeah, so you're right there. Um, and actually, in Harvard, they did have a portion. There was another professor there that was working underneath uh, Henry Murray, that did work on the uh, drug aspect. Um, I'm not sure the guy who created LSD is that guy or not, but um, that was a part of it. And it is a, bar, a part of like looking into how to, I guess, uh, mind control the masses as well. So one other thing about that age is if he's that young and that smart, a lot of times you're talking about somebody that's very introverted, maybe on the autism spectrum or something, you know, incredibly brilliant at certain aspects. But if you look at like his future where he basically becomes a hermit in the woods, I think this may be a precursor to that. And so in cases of like maybe the professor, he just found (laughs) sexual attraction and possibly a relationship of undetermined length, according to Jesse, or just somebody he actually connected with and communicate with. So. (laughs) As far as I know, there was no sexual uh, connection there, but I could be wrong. So at one time, I know he was actually housed here in Colorado at the Supermax. So if anybody can arrange a meeting for Jesse and Noah with Ted Kaczynski. I've heard that he will like actually respond to letters, though, if you write to him. I didn't even know he got letters. He was allowed to get letters anymore. I think most people are, um, even if they're in indefinite confinement. Hmm. Any any other aspects of the younger years? Um, I mean, I guess in terms of this experiment, so if you don't know too much about it, what they did is they would have to write essays talking about their own personal, philosophical, and like political views. And they were told that they would be essentially debating those topics with another student. However, during the experiment, that other student, instead of like politely debating them, would actually end up just completely ripping into them, telling them like they're terrible, that's like stupid, and they need to like completely throw away those ideas. And I'm not too far away from 16. And I remember being that age. And if honestly, if someone came up to me and started telling me that everything I believed in was just stupid and wrong, like that would definitely mess me up a little bit towards the end. Um, Later in interviews with um, Henry Murray, he like swore up and down that these um, experiments like didn't do any harm to Ted Kaczynski or like any of the any of the other subjects. However, I definitely think just knowing how people are, that would really mess them up. And um, pretty much, yeah. And I I think you bring up a good point there. Um, If Henry Murray was attached to the CIA to to work on the MKUltra, I don't think he's going to admit it anyways. Right. I'm not, he's like, (laughs) (laughs) hey, you you did a much better job than I did on this. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I don't think he, like, there's no way he's going to be like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, we totally messed up his mind and stuff like that. And even Ted Kaczynski says that um, the reason why he kept going back and going back is to prove that they couldn't uh, warp his mind. Um, now, whether or not they did or not, I would say that you know, at a young age, at 16, no matter Dude, how I mentally. I call bullshit. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> like, no matter how mentally tough a person is, 
you know, at age 16. Very impressionable. Uh, yeah, very impressive. Yeah, very, very much so. And I think it did mess him up somehow. And I think that's the reason why he ended up being alone in the, in the, in the forest there. Well, plus like there was also, so not only was there this event when he was 16, but I watched the documentary on Netflix and apparently when he was like super, super young as a baby, he got really, really sick and they had to put him in the hospital and essentially quarantine him. And during that quarantine period, they wouldn't let like his parents or his family interact with him. And when they brought him home, he was just so detached from his family. And I definitely think that also started like building up to the trauma that he started facing in his early life. I think that's what you get with a lot of children though, when they're detached from their parents from the, and from the, from infancy is that they will get that kind of like distance from other people. You know, it's, it's interesting. I think that is a key point. And I think also the distance from other people is what helps them actually advance intellectually. Um, the introverted piece, I think, is also very key. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I would absolutely say a 16-year-old who writes a paper and then thinks they're going to be debating it, going to Harvard. So intelligent at 16. And then he is literally berated and accosted in many ways about his views and everything he thought. That person, in my mind, does not go and skate. You said 200 hours. That is just under nine days of constant uh attacks about your political views, your personal views, your experiences, you absolutely come out of that changed. You would have to, I would think. And if you're an introvert to begin with, who's already suffered isolation at a young age, then early childhood development, the only thing he probably was successful at was school, and he probably concentrated heavily on it. He was very adapted to do well at that. But I would say probably he didn't have a lot of friends as a child, if any. And he may have just been an incredibly lonely person. And I think that may be also one of the things that allowed him to retreat from civilization so much and feel much less of an attachment to people in general when you just don't generally like people because most people have been you know, abusive towards you, distant, and just indifferent. Yeah, I think uh, also at this point in, in a person's life, right? I think uh, Murray, Professor Murray is like one of the first people that he f felt comfortable or trusted and to have that uh, kind of like betrayal of a friendship, I guess, right there happened to you from a mentor. Um, that, I think that that leaves us some kind of psychi uh, psychotic uh, scar. We're talking about Those feelings of Petrochino, right? The rich mouth coating. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't, but uh, sure. <laughs> uh, anything else we want to input here on the on the childhood there, uh, or going into Harvard, his Harvard years? All right. Well, um, he did eventually get his PhD. Um, he was a um, a professor, either professor or assistant professor over at Berkeley. Um, left Berkeley, and then a few years later, that's uh, he started doing the whole unibombing thing. Not that we condone bombing people here, right? I just want to make sure we're not condoning the actions of bombing people. Yeah, not the United States. Not. <laughs> no, our government's okay with doing it all over the world. Our, go our government is, uh, yeah, that's a different story. But uh, me as individuals, don't go out and bomb things <laughs> in the United States. <laughs> uh, but then he he did create a manifesto, which is called the Industrial Society and uh, its future. So here, um, just looking at the three main parts from that, here is uh, basically uh, his view on leftists. And then technology, technology versus independence, and uh, leftists with the technology and how it would relate to you today. So, um, 
Do you guys have anything about what he said there? Do you guys know what he said there about the leftists? No. Okay. Um. So when he talks about leftism, he basically says that a lot of leftists harbor these feelings of inferiority, and they also deal with something he calls over-socialization. Um, and basically, his critiques are that leftists really want all of society to solve problems instead of the leftists themselves solving the problems. Um, he believes that they exhibit a lot of hostility. And then even in the perfect world, because of their mentality, these leftists will um, essentially invent their own problems to be upset about. So um, coming from a right-leaning libertarian, I definitely think he got a lot of this right. I think we see a lot of this in our modern-day society. Um, there's like essentially movements that are kind of connected with leftism that we see today. Some of the big ones being those like gender equality rights. And in my opinion, as a woman, I do think men and women are treated extremely fairly in today's world. But you do see these leftists saying, well, women don't have X, Y, and Z rights because, you know, that's something that they really need to care about. So I definitely think he got that right. Yeah, I would happen to agree um, with him uh, hitting on the leftists. Uh, I think what you said there is exactly what he writes in the manifesto. And he even talks about like those who are the most sensitive about political incorrectness terminology are not the average black ghetto dweller, Asian immigrant, abused woman, or disabled person, but a minority of uh, activists, mainly whom don't even belong to the oppressed group. And so they just, they project that oppression and then they uh, have to go out and like make it right. And it's kind of funny because on the way coming here from the restaurant, I was listening to the X-22 report and uh, he was talking about the uh, granddaughter of Walt Disney uh, virtue si virtue signaling about something about like the whole like um, the anti-gay bill that's going on in Florida right now. Did you hear that Disney also banned the use of the words like yes. gays, gentlemen, yeah. and boys yes. and girls at their theme parks? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, um, you know, and it was brought up like how she is not part of this oppressed group, but yet she has to like go out of her way to find these things to defend with her family's money kind of like if you want to play a fun game you know pull up a picture of like a blm rally and try to spot like any black people in the photo you you probably can't so <laughs> are they all wearing hoods and stuff i guess i think this went left <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and step out of this one because i did actually attend a rally in vegas and it was a very different experience than that but okay i i think the two key points here for me which uh, this is great is that inferiority and overthinking and with the unabomber ted kaczynski absolutely that we talk about that situation that in my mind changed his whole life when he was uh, attacked as a 16 year old about his views and points and thoughts that's absolutely what comes out of that is okay now overthinkers are problems and i feel inferior but i gotta say the opposite furthermore if you're trying to make a, a positive point and this is your opinion um you know when you think about unabomber the una at the una the reason he's the unabomber universities and airlines those are what he went after first that's what the una stood for the unabomber and he's absolutely attacking education yet that's something that he did not go without he was smart he was educated he received all those opportunities and then he's gonna attack it 
Yeah, there's some inferiority conflicts there. Well, I think the reason why he was attacking the universities, he was, he was, he was attacking certain professors in certain areas that would advance uh, technology, which, in his opinion, in the manifesto, would lead to greater enslavement of, of humankind. I think we're um, seeing that now. I agree. I think with current are. technology, so... In that sense, explain, explain, like, what are you, what are you, what are you seeing here? I think we've become so much more dependent on technology as a people, and especially since COVID, whether it's social media, you know, I've got to ask people Siri if you're are right. very much <laughs> isolated for extended periods of time. So extended TV watching. And I think one thing you see with that, and any sort of indoctrination period, or a lot of influential people around you, you start to identify with those people, you start to agree with their views, especially when you're young. And so I think a lot of the people he was around may have influenced him when things maybe went sideways. He may have broken in completely the opposite direction, but I think he had very legitimate, in retrospect, in some ways, concerns about the future of technology, its effects on people, and our ability to maintain lifestyles that are, I guess, ideal with technology nowadays. Yeah, I like my Ferrari. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think here we're kind of going more into, like, um, technology versus independence here. And uh, he's talking in the the manifesto here that – with technology and independence, you can't, they can't coincide together because anytime you have a, a techno, technological advance, society has to make certain types of, of um, adjustments. adjustments and take away freedoms in order to curtail or to uh, go towards the technology side of things. So, for instance, he kind of talks about uh, cars at one point and uh, where – uh, beginning a vehicle uh, when they first got it, 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 it became free, allowed for more freedom of, of movement and stuff. However, society had to change um, to um, to accommodate for the vehicles. So at, at that point, like you can go anywhere you want with the car, but you could also walk across the streets and all that type of stuff. But now you can't just walk willy nilly across the streets anymore. You have to actually go to the crosswalks and you have to wait for like cross now type signs cars have to do that too yes cars and he talks about that but he's but he's saying like now that because of um because of the technology of the car things had to change and that has now limited your independence as a person and as more and more technology comes into play that's going to limit more and more of people's independence see like i Definitely agree with that sentiment. I think with the rise of technology, we're also seeing the rise of the surveillance state, which is something I already take issue with. But I do think that he takes this issue and kind of overblows it a little bit. I do think that there have been so many technological advancements that have essentially increased our quality of life as well. Um, Example, I guess, would be a lot of our like science and health systems. Cat scans. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, he really wants humanity to go back to a completely pre-industrial society. So like using circular shaped rocks for wheels in order to transport things like something really to the extreme like that. And while I do eventually want to move off grid and, you know, live my life in the wilderness, I at the same time do rely on some on many technologies to get through the day. And I think that his solution of, you know, just going completely back to what it was beforehand is also pretty out there and not 
super correct. I agree with that. I think that's absolutely right. You're absurd to attack all technology as evil because it's not the technology. It is the people behind it. If it is evil. He does address that though. Um, He does address what like, cause he does talk about like technology does like it does initially give out that initial freedom. And he goes, he does talk about what happens when the leftists take over technology. Right. But it's not so simple as to say technology is evil to go bomb a university professor because they're advancing technology. He doesn't think maybe should be advanced. One terrifying thing is if somebody like this came along now and had access to a lot of money, which somebody as brilliant and he as he anybody who bought Bitcoin 10 years ago. (laughs) The reality is if they had access to some sort of nuclear material and as the world continues to destabilize, that's a very real possibility. Somebody could take that attitude and literally create a high yield, high altitude electromagnetic pulse and knock out all of our technology overnight. Yeah. Yeah. So in his um, manifesto on uh, section 216, he talks about um, some leftists seem to oppose technology, but they will oppose it only so long as they are the outsiders of the technological system. And it uh, it says it's controlled by the non-leftists. If the, left, if the leftists ever become dominant in society so that tech, uh, the technological system becomes a tool in the hands of the leftists, they will enthusiastically use it to promote its growth. In doing this, they will, re, uh, repeat, they will be repeating a pattern that, will, that the left, leftists have shown, against, have shown again and again in the past. Uh, and he talks about the Bolsheviks with Russia how the leftists went with the Bolsheviks and then afterwards turned against them and then they actually imposed more rules and regulations and oppressed more people. And the, the leftists have this history of basically uh, aligning themselves with other groups that are outside of the norm. And they then once want they, control. And then once they get control, then they are more, they are bigger oppressors than the people previously to them. And so I think here, to your point, Jesse, Technology does have any every technology does have a good side to it and it has a dark underbelly to it. And that dark underbelly is always determined by who controls the technology and what they utilize it for. And I think as you were mentioning, Greg, we're seeing this and same with you, um, Casey, that we're seeing people utilize technology in the wrong ways. Yeah, like even earlier today at dinner, we were talking about the strong push right now for electric vehicles and some of the issues that that can create. Like literally, if Elon Musk wanted to, he can just turn off your Tesla, lock all the doors, and now you're stuck there in the middle of the highway. Like, what are you going to do against that? Yeah. And and if you don't don't think that's true, consider how your most recent software update happened while you were sleeping and your car was in your garage at home and nobody else was around. Or on your cell phone. Well, ultimately, it's run through. I mean, thinking about your cell phone. Like, recently, I just got an update on my cell phone that I didn't even do, and it's talking about if I want to activate, like, COVID updates or whatever. Hell no. (laughs) Exactly. COVID ain't real. So, like, real quick, technology we were mentioning earlier. uh, Facebook jail is a very real thing for a lot of people. (laughs) And, you know, in technology, if you say something that the people in control don't agree with, even though it's a public platform, they can literally jail you physically in some cases as well and that's just a very real thing and that's one of the other big dangers of technology is we put ourselves out there more and more some people are saying things that other people don't agree with on social media they're losing their jobs and they're getting their bank accounts literally frozen yep and so it's that 
freedom versus technology is a very real thing. All of us carry a small computer in our pocket for the most part, and that tracks our movements in a lot of cases. It tracks everybody we interact with. And, you know, it's back to that police state, but we've allowed this to happen. And a lot of times things happen that create whole precedents. You know, the 9-11, regardless of how you feel about it, changed the entire air travel industry. False flag. False flag. Hey, here's what I would say about the whole (laughs) cell phone thing, though. I think you're absolutely right. That, Greg, is real. If you don't want people to know where you're going, leave your damn phone at home. It's that easy. If you don't want the government to know what you look like, don't have Face ID. That's right. (laughs) Cut that every day. It, you know, it's kind of funny for those uh, for those who are old enough. They probably remember what it was like before cell phones. I do. And, I remember running with oh. you, going from seeing movies, running to a payphone to call my mom. And be like, "Mom, I'm not going to get there till like ten o five, ten ten. I know my curfew was ten. I'm so sorry." And she'd just laugh at me. <laughs> but I had to find the damn payphone to plug in a quarter to call her. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, there was a time where we could, you know. Uh, you know, obviously people did survive without some of these technologies and it does bring convenience like GPS on your phone. It's great that you have GPS that tells you how to get places. Turn left on E-Lift. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> turn left on E-Lift. It actually turn right on E-Lift for me. Because uh, <laughs> I came from the, uh, from the East. All right. But in any case, the dark underbelly is how the government will utilize the GPS and they can track you anywhere you have that phone. You know, I think what Ted Kaczynski was trying to say here is that we have to be careful of those who are virtue, who are, I guess, I was going to say virtue signaling, uh, I guess is like the kind of like the new term right now for like the leftists and people who are saying like, uh, you know, like go, you know, I'm for Ukraine or I'm for this, I'm for that or whatever. You you know who those leftists are right now anymore nowadays. And I think um, we have to be careful that those people, um, we don't allow those people who are a smaller voice to actually take over society. And not only take over society, but silence us through technology or, you know, because like it's, it's becoming a more and more real thing with the whole shutting down the cars and stuff like that. I mean, look at China. They have the whole social scoring now that if you say something against the government, they can uh, shut down your whole banking system. You can't fly anywhere. You can't go buy groceries and stuff like that. And uh, that's a really real thing that they worked with, with uh, Google. Well, a lot of time now we want to, we have entities in our government that want to go to a cashless society. And once again, it's a loss of independence through technology because everything's going to be online and all it takes is, you know, one bad thing to happen and nobody has any money anymore. And that's really funny that you say that. Like what's more, what's more secure? cash in your pocket or like this so-called like digital money well or bitcoin that's actually a really good question which did you invest in (laughs) (laughs) i did not the cash (laughs) i did invest in some cryptocurrencies so we're gonna assume that that's the answer (laughs) no and here's the reason here's the reason why i invested in cryptocurrencies is because i'm i'm trying to read the tea leaves and look at where the where where the economies are going and the economies are not going towards cash. The economies are going towards a digital currency. Well, and cash doesn't ever gain value. No, it doesn't. And so I had to, I had to look at like, all right, if I'm going to invest money, what's a wiser bet and where are things going? You have to kind of like, you have to kind of like, it's like playing chess. You have to look more than one move ahead. You have to look like five, (laughs) six, 10 moves ahead and see where things are going. Like obviously, 
if you read all these articles and you're doing your research and everyone's talking about getting rid of uh, cash. I got money in my pocket. And you hear and you see like central banks and the IMF and the central bank of all central banks. I forget what it's called. They're all talking about certain digital currencies. It's going to, you know, that they're going that direction. And all you have to do is look right now. The the uh, economical um, stance that they're taking right now is all about imploding our economies, not just America's economy, but the whole world economy. And they've been pushing no uh, no, no cash. I mean, look at what they're doing with um, coins. Oh, we don't have coins anymore because they're not making them anymore. There's a shortage, yeah. Or the whole COVID of we're not accepting cash currency because it could possibly transmit. And obviously another huge challenge with cash in a lot of places is it's very readily available for criminals to steal. I think that's the bigger key. And then also there's no coin or cash shortage. It's that companies, corporations have to pay for those coins to be delivered through a banking system. So if you can avoid paying for coins you don't really need, you're saving money. Which is interesting because I recently was at a small store and they actually requested cash and their justification was that their banking fees had gone up. Exactly. And so as, you know, if credit card, if they don't have cash to compete with, credit cards can charge 10% to merchants. And what are the other alternatives unless everybody's able to take some of the cryptocurrencies and other things? Booty. Yeah. So here's the, (laughs) and you look at it, right? Like if you just even look going from the gold standard or to going to the paper fiat system and you look at going from the paper fiat system into a digital currency, uh, you're right. They like, they charge a fee to, to, to swipe a card and stuff like that. So what does that all do? That's all about redistribution of wealth, taking and stealing more money from the American people. (laughs) <laughs> Casey I was just smiling because Jesse was smiling I gotta be real I want my 4% <laughs> 4 Because really I mean 10, seriously like those, nah, those processors Like what are the merchants are going to do When the processors charge more money to, to swipe a card They're going to push it on to the consumer And then yeah. Here's the problem Here's why countries themselves can never go to a digital currency Is because at that point you have to make it illegal For banks to charge a fee to exchange hand of their currency that's why it will go crypto or other forms or never go a true national digital currency is because if the government then is allowing banks to charge for their own money changing hands it becomes the opposite of what the current law states which is yes uh, you can do this and you can do that but you can't actually take the cash and charge them four percent because you took cash um I don't think they really care about the laws. I'm not saying they do care, but ultimately that will <laughs> I mean, they will care be... about the laws. We'd be following the Constitution still, but yeah. we haven't been. That's true. You've got no freedom of speech. <laughs> I really don't. I know. I'm only agreeing with you. Facebook jail, like, uh, I think but this, this dude, whole year. Dude, this, this whole year, right? That's on you at this point. <laughs> You're like, I've been in Facebook jail for the 500th time this year. <laughs> truth. That's truth. <laughs> I'm like, don't do it. It is April already, so in his defense, it's been a few months. I probably had like ten days of like normal like posting time on Facebook. I actually thought it was great, and then all of a sudden shut down. Yeah, you know, like, damn it, man, those posts were funny. <laughs> but uh, true, any any other points that we want to hit on Ted Kaczynski? I guess uh, with the, with that middle point, uh, as you're wrapping up the middle point, I think the biggest piece there is. 
Um, it further goes to me, he does his manifesto, he does all these pieces, but it further goes to what you really read through here is a 16-year-old who, whether sexually or not, was assaulted, confronted, abused, injured psychologically to a point where they go and separate themselves from the rest of the world, but they don't. They intentionally inflict damage on individuals. Now, where he went wrong is exactly there. Go blow up some cars. Go burn a building. The second you do it to an actual human be- uh, human being, that's a revenge piece. That's when you know your mind is wrong, not your heart. And his mind was wrong when he was hurting people. I believe he killed three and injured 20-something. I think he's like 26 or 27. Yeah, so, so I, I do agree. I think him, like, obviously using the bombs to kill people or injure them or maim them, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um but it makes an impression. It does make an impression, and I do think he makes he makes a point in the manifesto that they had they he says they in there because right I mean obviously it's only him but he's trying to say that he's part of a group um, that they had to do these kind of measures for people to take notice of this because otherwise if he just would have posted this or or blown up a couple of cars. Nobody would have taken notice. Blow up a damn postal office. Everyone's going to take notice. Was my letter in there? On the day closed. <laughs> On the day closed. <laughs> or a bank. Uh, you know, so necessarily I don't agree with what he did, but I think he, he's right, though. If he if he didn't go to these measures. We never would have heard of him. Yeah, I don't think we ever would have heard of him. I don't think uh, his uh, manifesto would have ever gotten the publicity that it ever did. I mean, overall, I think he got a lot of things right. Um, I think definitely agree that technology and the industrial the industrial revolution as a whole has like severely diminished our quality of life despite the multiple um, benefits that technology has brought through however i think it is honestly less about like technology ruining our life and more about this kind of like nature of capitalism ruining our life like i'm definitely not a communist or anything like that but Chesinski talks a lot about like the system that he wants to revolt against, but honestly, the thing that's creating this system is that need to have to work day in and day out in order to survive in your life. And I think that is just more about this the capitalist system versus like technology as a whole. Well, so, I think we have more of a corporate cronyism at this point. When you can yeah. buy congressmen and things like that, mm-hmm. we've gone so far, and technology has allowed this to happen. You know, the logistical systems before computers did not allow somebody to have, you know, hundreds of stores in thousands of different parts of the world and make that logistically feasible. Versus now, you've got these giant corporations, the food corporation. I think there's six of them that control 80% plus of our food. And so that's only been allowed by virtue of technology and the modern ability to control all these things and in the same time everybody's cost of living has gone up exponentially and a lot of people are struggling to live nowadays even at higher incomes i think you guys are both making great points here and even in his even in his uh, manifesto he does talk about like uh when we revolt against technology going down to more like either individual or local areas holding you know doing those things and he talks about like them having using you know basically doing some technology like as far as like it being okay but on the like a local level or individual level and i think that is is probably acceptable and probably the way we probably should be i mean even our constitution said that is everything should be done on a local level rather than a federal or or big corporation level 
And once again, we're seeing the federal government, which supposedly we're individual states, has overstepped multiple times on state rulings. And I think a great example is California marijuana. DA is still able to raid dispensaries, while at the same time, there's no recourse, even if they've done things right. And I'm sure there are a lot of other examples of federal overreach and... It's just vaccinations. <laughs> <laughs> vaccinations, yeah. Uh, so here, here's a here's a question for this middle part here. Um, do you think that independence or the the uh, being an individual and technology can coincide together? I so, mean, they are currently coinciding, but is it beneficial to all parties involved? This yes is the no. other area where I call bullshit because anytime you're using technology, you're not individual. So the answer is absolutely not. See, I mean, Kaczynski defines like freedom and individuality as the essentially the con- ability to control all of the aspects of your own life. And I think that you do need some sort of technology in your life in order to be able to control all those aspects. Um, I guess that's also where I disagree with him. I don't. I think once your basic needs are met, anything that happens afterwards is what true freedom is. But yeah, my opinion is. I- as much as I do like technology, I have become more and more of a technophobe because as I've seen things happen, I've also saw, seen how people miss, uh, have, been, have been abusing technology. And I, I'm kind of like torn here with Ted Kaczynski because I'm like, yeah, I like that whole idea of going off grid like he did. Then and go I, off grid, but let go of the technology. That's the choice. You have yeah, that choice. I, I get. I get. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, I do like that idea, but at the same time, I don't want to give up my technology either. And my impression was that one of the things that really was bothering him was he became a hermit in a remote area. Was it in Washington? Uh, Montana. Montana. How okay. much of a goddamn hermit can you be if you're attacking people who are advancing science? Uh, by bombing them and knowing their addresses. Obviously, you are doing research and you're doing things that are not solely about being a hermit. You are going phone out book. there finding information. It can be a phone I think book. he helped out the local library in Lincoln. Right, but that's my point is he is absolutely going out of his way using technology to attack these other people, and that's absolutely wrong. Again, the moment he went and attacked people and not things or processes or places, that's when it went from head to heart and he was emotionally involved and he failed all right so last question here was he a patriot or is he a terrorist oh he's a goddamn terrorist oh he's 100 a terrorist i think he's a terrorist that acted out of views that he thought were patriotic but he began infringing upon other people's right which is when he stopped being anytime you hurt were- other people unnecessarily not in self-defense you are a terrorist like, I don't even think his views were patriotic per se. I think it was mostly looking out for his own self-interest by critiquing all of society. I don't quite agree with that. Um, I believe you, but you're <laughs> the one who keeps going in Facebook jail too. Here's what I say. Yeah. Let each one of the families, since he's taking letters and mail, right? Let each one of the families who had a victim of his send him a package using the same materials to try to make a bomb so when he opens um, it to see how it is. First of all, I never condone blowing up people, so <laughs> I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying that I disagree like, um, to what your initial His view. Was. No. But, Patriot. But, Terrorist. No. Uh, I forgot what you said before he interrupted what I was saying. Um, she basically said he is absolutely a terrorist. He had misled patriotic views that were not truly patriotic. 
okay, so I think he was being patriotic, uh, explaining how the leftists were to try to warn everybody. And I think he was being realistic with how technology can be abused by the leftists if they got a hold of it. So in that sense, yes, I do think he's being patriotic there. However, where I think he messed up is, again, I agree with all of you, is the moment that he decided bombing random people. Or technically, they weren't random people. He did he did um, pick out certain people from certain sectors. Uh, and they were bomb. intentionally targeted. And they are intentionally targeted. And, and they were seen as symbols as opposed to, like, people. And so I think that's where he did mess up, and that's where he, where his, like, uh, um, his his views or his, his ideology his ideology gets gets lost and and he loses his credibility at. I, I think that's an interesting uh, perspective ideology, and you said he attacked people, not the people, but uh, their view. How do you attack a person's view? Well, if somebody's developing new technologies and then- kill them when that's not solely their view. I think he did it more out of a idea of prevention is my understanding. Like if I can take the people that are developing these technologies, I can make them go away. I can make this technology possibly not happen or be delayed. Right. But it's it's kind of like attacking Skynet and and Terminator. I'm going to, I'm going to kill the scientists who create Skynet to stop Skynet. Also wrong. And she didn't get away with it because it didn't happen. (laughs) I'm not saying she was right. And I'm also saying that the Unabomber was right. I'm just saying like, that's, that's the same scenario right there. I mean, really that's what it is. And we learned future artificial intelligence, uh, pop up on the podcast is going to happen. <laughs> uh, I want to hear think? you guys discuss AI in the future. Oh, dude, AI is so dangerous and it's also so wonderful. That's the tr- that's the struggle is you will have people who will abuse power. <laughs> that is always the truth and that is where the money comes from. Again, I love Ferraris. <laughs> all right, so I think we've all kind of basically said we He's a goddamn terrorist. <laughs> I think Take he, that, Chris I think, Rock. <laughs> I think his ideals were on the right track. I think, he, but he he crosses the line when he when he sends out the bombs. Yeah. Yes, I, but I don't know that anyone questions that he was wrong, not his ideals. So to get attention by killing people or maiming them is just it's stupid. Well, I think another question to bring up though is if he hadn't committed those acts, would people, you know? in today's times or like 10 years ago also still be able to come to that realization that technology is overall harmful to our society can be overall can be sure yeah Yeah. that that is and i'm not trying to say that's your perspective that's my perspective it can be no technology is an independent thing yeah man (laughs) but yeah people abuse technology that's how it gets harmful I think bottom line, I think he achieved his goal. It's still being talked about today. Um, even last, I think last year uh, on the anniversary date, the Discovery Channel did a eight episode um, a documentary kind of, if you will, about the uh, federal investigation from the FBI's point of view and how they uh, captured him. Um, and I think, you know, people probably would not, would have overlooked his, his manifesto and his thoughts and stuff if he didn't do what he did. He'd never be heard of. We'd never be yeah. discussed. Honestly, if people hadn't died and been injured, 
He did it in he would 10 have been years a footnote and he's free history. by now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he rejected supposedly a, he refused to allow his lawyers to plead insanity on his behalf because he believed he was of rational mind. Exactly. See, I think so. that's the struggle for me is I don't think it is rational when you're attacking people. That's where he loses his credibility to me when you're attacking people and not something else. But that's I, also I, the danger of where you get indoctrinated. And I think when things like that happen, it really warps people's mind. And we get back to mind control and things like that. All right. So and I think you can affect people's mind. Perfect correlation here then is, is Putin right or wrong? I think Putin's right. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I think that Putin is on the world stage. He and is on the world if stage. If he was a member of NATO... If he was everything the United would have States, changed. It would be a whole different story. It if would. Ukraine was a member of NATO, it would be a different story. That's and the truth. Actually, right there. That is the truth. Ukraine failed. Get it together, Ukraine. But <laughs> And the other reality is once again, the only reason we know this is even happening is technology. It's Facebook. It's news. It's, it's actually news, here's what's and it's so being interesting. used to divide people and really refocus people's attention. I don't disagree with you. Here's what's so interesting. Technology has only improved in 15, 20 years, right? Yet we had more daily updates, videos, photos, war scenes, literally live coverage of the Gulf War than we have 20 years later with satellites that can drill down and tell us what's going on if they want to. Propaganda. Exactly. Controlled by the it's, left. It's literally true. The leftists are controlling the, the news, propaganda, well, MK Ultra. When you this say is, the these, leftists, you mean Biden and whatever group he's connected to. Yes. Okay, cool. I and, agree with and, that. And, this, and they are also they are right. impl- they are implementing some of the MK Ultra stuff that they've that they did on Ted Kaczynski and those other students. That's Man, I <laughs> almost welcome at my age and my point someone asking me to write a, uh, an essay and then bring me into an office for two hundred hours because at the end of those two hundred hours, just under nine days, they're going to come out crying. I want to win that one. <laughs> Yeah, but they see that they, they, he, I think from, from my understanding in, in Murray's uh, research, he was looking for vulnerable people on how to break them. That's first. the point. And what it is, is you get introverts who are then confronted by someone incessantly. Introverts need alone time to build their energy to recover. Introverts don't get that if they're berated for just under nine days straight with a challenge. They fail. They I don't think it, was, I, it wasn't like a total nine days straight. I think he did it every week. Which almost could be worse to be constantly derided over a long period of time. Exactly. Than just be barraged with it. Like, but I love you. You're a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Ditto, buddy. I'm no piece of shit, motherfucker. You're going to come out of this crying. I promise. All right. um, So, anything else that we want to say about Ted Kaczynski or any of this? Nope. Terrorist could have done better. Be smart. He was smart enough to do it. He was absolutely in his youth at 16 impacted negatively here's the tragedy what could he have done for our country using his intelligence and his potential had he not been assaulted and he was assaulted or his focus misguided you know sometimes people come through those things and it drives them in fortunately in this case it drove him in a situation where he became an isolationist but if that had driven him to become you know looking at, you know, how do I make technology safer for people? Particularly at that time, that's when those books would have sold. He could have written books. I don't think that was his focus, but... Yeah, <laughs> he did have a manifesto I've never read. That it's a, <laughs> literally, it's not... It's a very short book. <laughs> Casey, any ideas? Any thoughts? 
I mean, we've had the book 1984 for a hot minute and people still haven't learned their lesson, so. Along with Brave New World, Animal Farm, if anybody's looking for some Dude, books. Dude, Brave New World, man, even James Bond quotes that one. Yeah, Brave New World is, yeah. Uh, that's a that's a, that's the we should probably do an episode on Brave New World. That's a doozy. We gotta get some leather brown editions then. Uh, all right. Well, um, I don't have anything much more to say about Teddy Kaczynski. I I do think his ideology, what he wrote in the manifesto, a lot of it is right on. I think what he did was obviously wrong as far as bombing other people. But on the flip side, if he didn't bomb people, I'm not sure we we would even know who he was at this point. It's the sad reality. We take notice of tragedy and not of just people trying to share their ideas in a lot of cases or even doing property damage. So. That's interesting because I actually think that's another potential smarter challenge. I actually, whether it's I go out of my way to or not, I don't go celebrate tragedy. I don't give my attention to that. I give my attention to victories, to wins, to whatever it may be. So the whole Duke thing didn't impact me because, yeah, it's all sad and whatever. You know what I'm thinking about? The team that won, God damn it, they played better. They you watch earned the news? that. The news? Hell no. Who the hell watches the news and is positive? Nobody. <laughs> and I would say it's very difficult, and whether you're right wing or left wing, I think that the news in general is something to avoid and find much better sources than those. You can Dude, do you know what will put a bigger smile on your face than news every day? Porn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesse. Um, let's reel you in here a little bit. What's going to be next week's Smarter Challenge? All right. Next week's Smarter Challenge. What's that movie that just came out? About a vampire or a dog? Oh, it sucked. <laughs> That's not going to be the smart challenge yeah. anymore. <laughs> I saw it last night. It was. I was Morbius like, I, was that bad? It wasn't that good. God damn. That's tragic. I mean, it's okay, but like. Breaks my heart. It's 2022, and we can't make watchable movies. Come on now, people. Let's get it together. <laughs> All right. Well, next week, Scotch. Old Pulteney. Okay. This is their 12 year single malt scotch. And next week's Smarter Challenge is a, a revisit of what we stand for and why. So, what are our five things we sell and why do we sell them? Okay. All right, and uh, anything you want to say to the people before we Oh, shut? no, man. Here's what I got to say. Casey, Greg, thanks for being on the show, enjoying dinner with us. Uh, had a blast. Thank you genuinely, both of you guys. Um, to the viewers, please like, share, subscribe. Tell us what you like and what you don't like. Do you like these topics? I hope so. Uh, because this was a fun one for me. Noah, cheers, man. Uh, this was a great Smarter Challenge. I loved it. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah. No and uh, I'm looking forward to more of them. You know, conspiracy or not, which part of this is a conspiracy? Take the conspiracy and the theory out of it. This, at this point, is history. And it's real, and it's something to be both celebrated and remembered because if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Greg, any notes? Just happy to be here. It's been a joy.
Casey. Casey. Yep. Also, thanks for having me. I love true crime. I love conspiracy theories, and I'm stealing Jesse's slogan. But make sure you don't drink and drive, and always be safe. <laughs> <laughs> we don't say drink and drive anymore. We just say drink responsibly. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ever since we were photographed drinking while driving, it just turned out poorly. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so once again, if you are watching us, thank you. Uh, we're on YouTube and, and Rumble. I do want to give a shout-out to our uh, listeners on uh, Podbean and Spotify. For whatever goofy reason, we have a uh, uh, someone who's dedicated and uh, a loyal listener to us uh, in Illinois. So thank you very much, Illinois person. Yeah, tell us who you are. you are. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. And uh, any any other people who do listen to us on Podbean and Spotify, we greatly appreciate your uh, you listening to us as well. Our number 40, 46 uh, subscriber, whoever you are, thank you. Uh, we want to say thank you to you as well. And um, if you do want to become a patron member, if you look at our description information down below, it's the very first link there. Click on that, and you can become a patron member for as low as a dollar. Uh, we do utilize that to uh, improve our equipment or hopefully eventually uh, if they do, uh, and I think they will be uh, coming out with Top Gun, we will do a movie. Uh, we'll run Maverick out of, is coming out. We'll, uh, we'll run out of theater. So that way for those here in Colorado yeah. can uh, go see that movie with us. Hell and yeah. uh, with that, I just want to say cheers. And Life is great. Life is great. And Scotchman, you don't, you didn't do it. Toyota V, the water of life. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. Have a great night, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a Patreon member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.